Welcome to the Park Hills Podcast. This week, Pastor Chris and I are going to break down Colossians 1, 15 through 23 a little bit further. Uh, Pastor Chris wanted to preach for five hours, but we did hold him at bay for that and uh, held him to a reasonable time. And he did a great job of that. We're proud of him for that. <laughs> but uh, the preeminence of Christ, uh, what what a subject, and, and loaded loaded with uh, depth and, and meaning, and the idea of just being image bearers and... Uh, but him being the ultimate image, you know, we're made in his image, but here he's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. Right. Uh, creator. I mean, it, within this is this idea of him being the head of the church, and we see that in other passages, right? And we're the body. As Christians, we're, we're part of that body. He's the head of the church, and he's preeminent. And I love the way you broke down uh, preeminent a little bit more. Uh, maybe the reality of this is functionally, we may struggle with this personally. You ever think so, Chris? I mean, just this idea of uh, trusting God and, and or even recognizing his preeminence in our lives as, as followers of his. Yeah. Whenever I think about the body of Christ or the church, and, and those terms are should be used interchangeably, right? It, we often think of the church as an organization, right? It's this, it's this thing that I go to. It's this thing that I'm a part of on Sunday. We usually think about it in terms of budgets, right, or uh, ministries, programs, things like that. And especially in the American understanding, a lot of us Christians have sort of settled into the organizational aspect of the church. So I'm a part of Park Hills Church. I'm I'm a part of the the functioning organization of this the the problem is the church in in the new testament and elsewhere is is both an organization so yes it's a group of people that have sort of come together to make an organization happen but it's also an organism and the best way to make an organism is a bunch of little tiny things all attached to become one big thing so inside of our bodies you know we've got cells and we've got other bacteria and all this kind of stuff and there's all these things inside of us that are kind of keeping us functioning well and what happens is you know, for example, if a virus takes over, what it does is it 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 by, does a byproduct or it or it breaks in and, and sort of hijacks our cells and starts to produce something that our body's not ready for, and then our body has to attack it and deal with it. Well, in the same way, Christ Church is the body of Christ. It's it's an organism, and every organism is made up of individual little tiny things, and so. Park Hills Church as an organization is great. Park Hills Church as an organism means you and I are in it individually. And when I think about headship of the church, it's a lot of times easy for us to think about it in an organizational sense, right? Christ is directing our major decisions. He's directing our budget. He's directing our church planting efforts. He's directing our ministries. You know, student ministry operates this way because we're trying to stay in Christ's mindset of how to do things. Children's ministry operates this way or small groups. And whenever we think organizationally, that's fine, but organ, but it, as an organism, I have to let him be the head of my life so that I'm a healthy part of the organism yeah. and, and a part, healthy part of the organization as well. And so one of the things that I always struggle with is, Christ, are you really the head of, of my life? You know, and that's part of even when I was trying to break down on Sunday was, you know, I, I talk about all these things in my life and I just try to use what I'm 
thinking through and what I'm praying through. And right now, it's kind of hard to escape politics, and that's kind of why I threw that out there in the sermon. It wasn't because yeah. I want to be political all the time. It's just because we're in a season where that, that, that applies. And so if we're thinking about something that we're thinking about right now, then we got to say, Christ, are you the head of that? And so are you the head of our, of our politics? Are you the head of this? Are you the head of that? And so for me, it's, you know, sometimes it's a struggle. Is Christ really the head of my household? If he's the head of my household, it means that I'm letting him lead me, which means I'm doing a good job of helping manage my household well in a way that would honor Christ. So that means, am I loving my wife well? Am I loving my kids well? Am I loving my dog? Well, you know, <laughs> am, I, am I taking care of what's inside of the four walls? And in that sense, that's a convicting thought. And, and so I, I didn't have time to push into all of that in the sermon, but that's kind of where we want to we camp a little bit uh, this week, is just talk a little bit about Christ being the head of not just the body of Christ, which he is, but also the head of me and the head of, of, of me individually. And, and as a pastor, we have a unique view of that because we've been given charge to sort of be in charge of a body of Christ, right? Someone has hired us to help lead them in a spiritual journey, which one of the most overwhelming possibilities, you know, just imagine someone slapping a title on you and going, you now you're going to help me figure out how to walk with Jesus correctly. That's yeah. terrifying. I don't want to have anything to do with that, but that's really what we're, what we're responsible for. And we sometimes miss that. And we sometimes don't think about the fact that, yes, I've been given leadership here, but I'm, I'm not really in charge. I, he's in charge. It's my job just to sort of step aside and let him do the thing. And we've both struggled with that multiple times over our ministry careers. Yeah. I, I, I think that this idea of, again, who's in charge really comes down to our understanding of our relationship with Christ and our understanding of his preeminence. Over the years of of ministry, my kids at different times have asked me, who's the boss of the church? Are you the boss of the church? <laughs> is Pastor Chris, Pastor Larry the boss? You know what? And and my uh, my answers vary sometimes. Well, the elders are, are really the bosses mm-hmm. of, of me, but really the whole congregation is a boss of me. You know, I kind of go, and they're like, what? You know, and the congregationalism is kind of hard to understand on any level, even biblically, but uh, that's <laughs> another subject. But, um, but really... If we think of it, and I love the way you you expanded on his preeminence and how every king or every every royalty in a room would bow to Christ if he came in. That's that's what this passage is saying, and and I think that the more we grab onto that idea, then it becomes more practical in our daily life to say, yeah, though I have quote unquote the authority maybe better said, freedom to make my own right. calls and decisions if I stopped and considered the preeminence of my Savior and what he wants and what his word tells me uh, is wanted for my life, then I'm going to have a hard time wanting to exercise that freedom that I have to do things my way and according to my will. I think it speaks back to, and we referenced this recently with Galatians 5, of am I going to be led of the Spirit of God mm-hmm. or am I going to be led of myself? And then the fruits of one are terrible and the fruits of other, the other are great. But to stop and think about that preeminence, and, and Chris, the way you presented that was very powerful. It was powerful to me to think about that, all, all authorities, all that – other people might bow down to, other people might respect, other people might admire, 
are nothing compared to the preeminence of Christ. And if he's my savior and he's my master, then my ultimate honor, allegiance, and uh, obedience has to be to him. Right. So then how important is it to know his word and to to begin even in, in a time a season where we're starting this prayer thing to say my prayers must start with acknowledging the preeminence of my savior. Yeah. Acknowledging the holiness of God starting there, you know, but recognizing that and then that then becomes a great mental or spiritual if you will posture from which to approach God. And biblical Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we don't see a single moment in Scripture where someone isn't before the face of God and they're not humbled, right? right. Whether we're talking about Moses, uh, even even Jesus, over and over again, just keeps it's it is my purpose to to do the will of my Father. It is my job to sacrifice myself and do things the way He wants me to do them. And so, there's this humility that should come with the idea that that God, and, and specifically here, the, this part of the of the Godhead, Christ, being preeminent over our lives, which means you don't ever take off the the, the Christian skin. You, you don't leave home and decide, oh, I'm not going to be a Christian today. He's preeminent. So, you know, sometimes we treat it like on Sunday morning, I'll be a good Christian, but the rest of the week, who really cares what I do? And I see church as my recharge and it's my chance to remember what I should be doing. But then on Monday, I'm not acting like I should be at all, right? And so some of the conversations I've had with people over the years about Christ's preeminence might 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 be as simple as, you know, do your coworkers see you as a Christian? Do yeah. they know you're following God? Or one specific conversation I'm thinking of is uh, an individual who was a coach. What a great opportunity to be – you're the head of a program, right? You're the head of a group of, of kids playing soccer or playing football, whatever it might be, baseball – you know, softball, volleyball, like think of all the different sports that are out there. And you're like, my job is to be the head of this group. Well, wouldn't you rather that group know Jesus better? Even if you're not able to say his name, there shouldn't be a point where you've come so unglued that all the kids see there is like, well, if that's what it's like to follow Jesus, first of all, I can do that. And second of all, uh, (laughs) this is messed up. I don't like this at all. And we have too many people in our lives and I'm not being judgmental here. I know that it could sound that way. But I really, that's why this passage is so, I'm so impassioned about it, because if he's really preeminent, it means every single fiber of our being should be being pounded and contorted to become more like him, Mm -hmm. which means our attitude, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, like all of the things we do should be slowly being surrendered to him over and over because he's really that powerful and he's really that amazing. And so what Paul's making the case for here in 1 Corinthians 1 is Christ is those things. You don't get to decide, right? You don't get to decide, well, I'll take a little bit of Christ is creator. I like that one. Christ is head of the church. No, I'm okay. You know, you don't get to decide. He is all of those things, all six of those titles in in 1 Corinthians, or sorry, uh, Colossians 1. Like all those six of those titles are exactly who he is. Now the question is, are you surrendered to him? And if you are, you're going to live a different way. And so I think so many Christians, we, you know, I talk to folks all the time that are just like, well, I'm not a good Christian because I don't do this or that. This isn't about whether you do good things. This is about whether you surrender to him and you're becoming different. You're becoming mm-hmm. more like him. It's a response to his goodness. It's not a, oh, I'm not good enough, so I can't come to church. Folks, that's not the answer here. The, the gospel tells us all of us come to Christ freely, and then he begins to change us and mold us into who he wants us to be. Yeah, and as we are drawn 
to follow him, even as it, you, we think about the church and the church having many parts, and mm-hmm. and if we're worried about who's in charge, then we might be tempted to treat another part of the body as though they are lesser. And we're taught very clearly that that's not the way we're supposed to do that. We're to work together and to work in, in unity. That means I'm going to honor others. And again, the words of uh, the teachings of Jesus, the first will be last and the right. last will be first. Here, Here's the preeminent one, the one who, by the way, humbles himself and washes the feet of his disciples, who, who goes to the lowly, mm-hmm. who loves them, who teaches that you're, you're not supposed to, you know, do things to make people admire you. Rather, you do, th- do things in secret and, and, and then says, you got to be servant of all. Mm-hmm. And so then acknowledging his preeminence says, okay, not only am I going to recognize his headship, his authority, but I'm going to then let that play out in honoring the very ones that he loves, uh, being graceful to the ones that he showed grace, um, caring for those in need, and uh, trying to live with that example that he set for us, and all with an understanding of we're in doing so, we're honoring his headship. And it's really, the, I guess, the word that comes here is submissive. We're submissive to what he wants because that's what acknowledging his preeminence would be, like the illustration mm-hmm. you used of all the royalties, of all the leaders, just what are they doing? They're bowing. What are they doing? They're in submission to him. And so in daily life then, the preeminence of Christ, the more I understand that, means that I'm just submitting to him. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm doing it with joy because he's my king, he's my savior, he's the one that I want my life to reflect so other people can see him. What a cool thing. Yeah. Which, there's so many directions that I want to go, but I'll just pick one lane here and, and try to run down it a little bit. But it's hard to do in our culture, and I don't mean that in American culture. I mean within church culture, it's hard to do what we're talking about because there are so many different views even within the church of what is right and what is not right. You know, you made the comment a little bit ago about congregationalism, and biblically that's an interesting thing. And I've often said to folks, I find it interesting that we would leave a significant thing like a staff hire up to a group of people who may not have fasted at all about this situation. They just showed up on a Sunday night or, a, you know, that's typically when our congregation meetings are, and and they're going to vote on a, on a person to join our staff and become a part of it. Now, granted, it comes with the recommendation of the elders and recommendation of the staff. But, but I mean, back in the day, I remember when we had congregational votes for staff hires, it was really frustrating for me because there would be individuals who were, I'd hear walking in going, I've never met this person. I have no idea what they're about, but I'm hoping that we get a vote to, on them tonight. And I'm like, this is a significant decision. This isn't a minor thing. This yeah. is a huge, huge responsibility. And we as the body of Christ haven't taken that seriously. And so whether we're talking about congregationalism or elder-led churches or any, like where there's no thing in scripture that says this is exactly how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. There's also no, there's also huge debates about certain things in scripture, what's being said and what's not being said. And, and in our church culture around our country, we will fight for what we claim is right, even at the expense of something else. And so one of the areas in my life that I'm, I'm convicted on here, and I'm just, this is why I'm sharing it, 
As far as the preeminence of Christ, of course I care that God would, that life is important. So of course I'm pro-life. I'm absolutely pro-life. But I'm always hesitant if we're fighting the battle of pro-life at the expense of a lot of other virtues that one would would like. And I'm not talking about the current administration. This is a much bigger conversation than that. I know that you could take it that way, but I don't mean it that way. I just mean, I, of course, I care about pro-life. I care about pro-life so much that I... I also live a certain kind of lifestyle. I don't yell at people. I stop. I drive safely. I'm yeah. careful with how I, you know, I don't have weapons in my home. And I'm just, it's not because I have, a, you know, a predilection against them. It's just because I'm going, I, I don't really, I, I, I want to live in such a way that I am a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. I want to live in such a way yeah. that people look at me and go, man, that guy's walking with Jesus. But at the same time, if, if you're walking in front of me and I hear you say something racist, I'm jumping in to tell you to stop talking. Yeah. I'm, I'm not hesitant to be bold and to be powerful and, and to fight for what's right. Just in the same way that if I saw someone walking into an abortion clinic, I, I don't even know where one is right now, so I, I wouldn't even be able to answer that question for you. But if I, was, if, you know, if I saw someone walking in, it was a young woman who clearly was in a bad place, my goal would be to step out and share Jesus with her. Yeah. And talk to her about what that looks like, as opposed to standing outside with a pickup, picket sign telling them that they're all going to hell. And so even within the church, we sort of disagree on how these things should play out. And so I hear people on one side say, well, Christians, you know, modern day evangelicals don't stand up for anything that's right, and we should be fighters. I don't disagree that we should stand up for what's right. And I don't disagree that we should fight for what's right. We should absolutely fight for what's right. So you should vote with your conscience. You should you should trust that God is going to use you to do powerful things, even within politics or whatever. At the same time, we need to know that politics aren't the answer. And so the other side will say, well, I'm going to fight for everything and I'm, I'm not going to get anything, but this, you know, this world's crazy. And of course, I'm not going to win because the church is completely cast aside. Folks, we make, we make everything two-sided. And it's everything is way grayer than we'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. But what's not gray is that Christ is in charge. He is preeminent, and that means he needs to be preeminent in my life. And that means that I, I come to the table with Bible as opposed to politics. I come to the Bible with, uh, or come to the table with with Bible and proper language and proper ways of thinking about things, as opposed to just spouting off what I believe and then at the end throwing it. Well, that's what Jesus thinks in my life. And sorry, I got a little preachy and passionate there, but that's that's the issue that I kind of see is we sometimes get so caught up in the other parts of this life and we miss out on if Christ is really preeminent, if yeah. he's really the head of the church, that means that Sunday morning should be the least racist, most exciting, most welcoming, most loving, most loving and most challenging time of my week. I should walk out not feeling judged, but feeling conviction. I should walk out feeling powerful and ready to run with the Lord and do what needs to get done this week, even fighting the battles that need to be fought, but in a manner that's going to lift up his name. It means every conversation I have at work or I have at home or I have at school or I have either I'm living for Christ or I'm admitting to people when I'm not. You know what I'm saying? It it means I'm coming back to you and going, listen, you know, I'm going to make up a name here, you know. Billy Bob, hey Billy Bob, I am sorry that phone call went awry. That was my, uh, that was not the way I wanted to handle that. I am so sorry. I'm a follower of Christ, and and I, that I'm offended by what I said or how I handled it. And I'd like you to forgive me if you will. But then let's keep talking about this because I I'm passionate about it, but I handled it the wrong way. So I want to work through this through with you. That's how we're supposed to be living. And I feel like we've we kind of throw all that to the wind sometimes, 
And in the moments like where, you know, we're, we're passionate or excited about something, we kind of just toss it all to the wind and we go, oh, I'm going to live my, for myself right now. And there's forgiveness there. There's grace. You know, if you're living for yourself, there's always moments where you just turn around and repent and you come back to God. But I would love it if a group of believers just trusted that Christ is preeminent so much that they're going, before I, re- 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 you know, reply to you or before I comment on that, I want to pray about that or I want to think this through. I want to make sure that the Lord's actually guiding me in where I'm going. And that's rare. And that's unfortunate. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, but recognizing that headship and preeminence of Christ then does give us peace with the things that we can't handle. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up even some of those political matters because it is a struggle. Uh, to me, you know, the, the election coming up, I'm pretty sure I have peace about about how to vote, but it's not 100% peace right? because I see things that are contradictory no matter what I do, to, at least to what I understand God's Word to speak. But it reminds me just, just to go, okay, Lord, um, as much depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with people, and I'm, I'm going to honor you as much as I can in this regard. And, and we put a lot, a lot of weight into what box we check in November and I don't think we put as much weight into surrendering to the preeminence of Christ and saying, I'm go- it's, how's this going to affect the way I live? I like what you yeah. were talking about, about loving people and stuff like that. Because even to use, you know, the abortion subject, you know, it, it's one thing to say, I'm going to check a box based upon that. But it's another thing to say, I'm going to contribute to the local pregnancy center. I'm going to volunteer there or I'm going to... Uh, pray about adoption or, or supporting someone who is or, you know, and different things like that. Or talk to my neighbor girl that I've never talked to yeah. that might be living a lifestyle that I'm not appreciative of. And instead of me just judging her from afar or saying, well, there she goes. She got pregnant. Of course she did. What if you stepped in and you didn't make it a youth group thing? You just said, I, I love you enough to talk to you. I want to get to know you. And I want to step into your life because somebody stepped into my yeah. life and helped me see Jesus. And I, I'd like to walk with you through this and Beautiful. be there and support you. And I, I think I think part of the reason this subject of preeminence hit me as much as it did is that I've had to go back to that the more and more frustrated I get with what's happening in the news right. because I feel so overwhelmed by it. Uh, I just feel dirty watching the various news channels, listening to them report and and however accurate or slanted it may be, depending who you're listening to and what day or whatever. But it reminds me, okay, the Lord is in charge. Mm-hmm. His qualities have not changed. And he has this in, in, in his view, he has this within his strength. And then my marching orders are clear. Right. I serve him. I follow him. Yeah, I, I may check a, a box, one box or the other, but that's not who I serve, who I follow. I serve and follow Christ. Right. And that overrides even my political party or, or positions. And I'm going to I'm going to show my love and my submission to Christ and his leadership by how I live, more so than what I say or proclaim or wave a sign around about. Right, because we were once alienated and hostile to him. 
and we're no longer hostile to him. So everything I do now falls under his leadership. And that's okay. That's the way it's supposed to be. And if things don't go my way, I don't throw a hissy fit. I don't throw a tantrum. I just trust that God's in charge and, and we'll, we'll get through it together. And I think the biggest disappointment I have in things right now is that we're all better than this. Yeah. <laughs> America's better than this. And America's better than this, not because it itself is better than this, but because there are so many Americans who claim to follow Jesus. So if there are that many people who claim to follow Jesus, we should be in a different position than we are right now. Yep. So either that shines a magnifying glass directly at us and says, are we really following Jesus? Which is the question that I'm kind of begging us to consider. Or it makes us go, no, the definition of following Jesus is different across the board. And all I can worry about is me. <laughs> you know, like all I can do is look at my, I tell my kids all the time, look at your report card. You know, your, your sheet of paper. Keep your eyes on your own test. God's working on you. He's developing you. He's, he's designing you to be the best version of you that you're supposed to be. And I don't mean that in a, you know, prosperity gospel, Joel Osteen sense. I just mean the best version of you is God's intention for you, for his will and how he's going to use you. And that could mean that God's going to use you to, to impact an entire nation. Like some of the higher levels of politics, those individuals have opportunity to, yeah. to change the nation, which is why I pray for our president, no matter who's in office, whether they're on the side that I think is leaning with us the most or not. And, and I think we all have that opinion as to which side someone's leaning on, whether they're our side or the other side. Uh, and that's true for both sides of the, the aisle for some of us. But my, I'm praying for that individual to serve God well. But it's not my job to look at their, their paper because I, I don't know what they're up against. I don't know what they're dealing with. And so it's my job to just pay attention. God's got me doing this. And so if, if I'm going to be used in a significant way, quote unquote, like how people would see significance, whether that's the highest office of the land or some other thing, I'm going to serve God well. Or if, if my job is, quote unquote, insignificant, and I put that in huge quotes because it's, there's no yeah. such thing. But, you know, I've had people say, well, I'm just a humble mechanic. You are a, a mechanic for Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing opportunity. You get yep. to serve people in a way that I don't get to serve people, right? I'm a teacher. Then praise the Lord. Teach, teach with the best of your ability. You're making a bigger impact than you think you are, yep. right? And so everything we do, we do it uh, as to the Lord and not for men, which is the key verse. And that's part of the reason why Christ preeminence is so important. So, right on. All right. Thanks, everybody. Mm -hmm.